0: we're going to read it three times and there will be blanks as you can see Um, Jesus answered I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except
1: through me second time Jesus answered I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me last time Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christ is risen. risen
0: Last fall we started uh, doing a memory verse every week. Every week we were going to instill scripture on our hearts and this one was set a couple months ago knowing that today is Easter, but Jesus died for the very truth that is that scripture, amen? Amen. He is the truth and the way and the life. And his death and his resurrection depict that exactly. So bathing ourselves in this scripture, in these scriptures and these words that God gave to us thousands of years ago, the, the words that developed from a plan that was since the beginning of time. This plan... Today, this very day that we celebrate, was the plan since creation began, since God knew he wanted to create us. He knew that he would have to rescue us if he he wanted us with him for eternity, which he did, which is why he sent his son and why we are here today celebrating this very day, screaming and worshiping the God who sent his son to die for us because he loved us that much. Amen? So today, as I read these words that are the scriptures of Luke 24, which are the scriptures of telling of the, the risen Christ, know that these words that God depicted through Luke are meant for you. Are meant for you. Because when Jesus died, and when Jesus was resurrected, your life, your eternal life was on his mind. Even though you weren't even a glimmer in your mom's eye, even your mom wasn't a glimmer in her mom's eye yet and so on, Jesus was thinking of you and whispering your name and triumphantly yelling your name when he was risen because he did it for you. So the scripture today, hear these words because they're God's words meant for you this morning. Hear this, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hand of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, mother of James, and the others with whom told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Like nonsense. Peter, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away. Wondering to himself what had happened. These are the words for you this morning. These are the words that were meant for you. And the funny thing is we have hindsight. We're not Peter. We don't wonder what happened because we know what happened. He is risen. Let us join our hearts in prayer so we can prepare the words Prepare for the words that are going to be spoken to us that are the gospel. God, this morning as we come to this place, as we all came to this place, there's a full room of your children in this place. Everybody in this room has come for a different reason. Whatever that reason is, you know that reason because that reason is on their hearts. But God, you came to this room for one reason. You are here for one reason, and one reason alone, to shout from the earth, from the rooftops, that your son is risen. He is risen indeed, and he died, and it was resurrected so all of us could have life. So all of us could run from death and could have life with you, with our creator, with the God that loves us so much. God, we know what happens. We heard the story. We just heard the story now of what happened to your son, how death could not hold him. The tomb could not hold him. He is out of the tomb. He is risen. And God, it was all for us. He died for us. He bore our sins so we didn't have to carry that heavy weight anymore. The weight that weighs us down. That drags us. Jesus lifted it. It's gone. So as we hear these words this morning, the words of the gospel, the words of triumph, let it change us. Let it transform us. Let us relish in the gospel this morning that Pastor Mike has prepared. That you, The words that you are going to speak through him because you are ready to speak to your people. And we're, re- we're ready to hear you. We're waiting. Take this room, Jesus. It's yours. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Earlier this morning, I uh, mentioned to one of our members, I said, well, this is really exciting being out here for our first Sunday, Easter Sunday out here. And they said, oh, wait a minute, Mike. Uh, we met out here Easter Sunday a handful of years ago. Some of you are here. Do you remember that? It was outside, it was cold, and I, I remember um, I changed a policy in the city of Marion that day, and I didn't even plan to. Uh, one of my friends growing up was the son of Peg Pierce, so those of you girls that have played Peg Pierce softball, um, I know the real Peg Pierce, and Peg kind of started that, that that softball deal here, and so on Easter Sunday, we were trying to find bleachers to set down there on REC Drive so we could have a hay wagon and play the guitars and all that up there, but then something to sit on, so... I called Peg and said, can we borrow the bleachers from your softball fields? She said, oh, sure, pick them up. So we went and got some trucks and some, you know, trailers, and we got them out here. And uh, we took them back. And the next morning, the park supervisor of Marion called me and said, you know Peg Pierce's public property, don't you? I said, No. But I do know those bleachers are strapped down now, so um, (coughs) Christ is risen. He is, is. and just like this is our first Sunday here, you know, there's a couple of times uh, in your life where you celebrate first. We We have two that I know of, first time in church today, so Perry May Campbell's way over here somewhere, Simon and Laura's. Whoa, she's in the front row sleeping. That's that's Perry, first time in church. And right here in the front row is Hudson, uh, Matt and Megan's son. This is both their first um, time in church, so let's give them a little tap call. Don't clap too loud. They're both sleeping. <laughs> Proof that you can sleep before Pastor Mike talks. I appreciate that. We have a lot of things going on in Marion Methodist. I encourage you to go to the website. Um, find those out uh, We've been running the, the slides and whatnot beforehand. I'm not going to spend any time in announcements except this this morning. Uh, this one thing I want to share with you freedom is coming, it's on the way. And I want to tell you that freedom at Marion Methodist is going to be huge. We believe freedom can be the biggest witness that Marion Methodist has made to our community in many years. We believe that freedom can be the biggest help physical, real help that Marion Methodist has offered to Marion in many years. We believe that freedom can be the biggest relationship-building in families, outside of families, initiative that Marion Methodist has offered in many years. It's huge, it's big, and it's going to be unleashed in just a few months' time. Groups are already meeting to plan it. I want you to look for official announcements of freedom. It's coming soon. That's all they'll let me say right now. But pay attention to that word freedom. Let's go right to the Easter sermon. Christ is risen. risen indeed. Indeed he has. Here's an interesting thing. Easter starts in a cemetery. Easter starts in a cemetery. You know, cemeteries have important roles in our lives. Historically, they connect us to the legacy of our family or of our community. When I first moved to Marion back in the 2000s, the Slum Fox Festival had this practice, which I thought was fantastic. In the afternoon of Saturday, after the parade and all, everybody had eaten all their candy and all that kind of stuff, you could go to Oak Shade Cemetery in Marion, and there would be men like my brother Mark and Bill Thomas and some others that had takenly, actually taken on the character of one of Marion Methodist's founding mothers, or daughters or, 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 or sons. And, and they, had, they, they would literally put on the clothes from that generation and talk to the groups and you know, in incremental times as if they were that person and kind of tell about Marian back in those days. We did that all in the cemetery because it seemed like the logical place to go to understand Marian's legacy and history. And, and that's what cemeteries do. They connect us to the human story that preceded us. A number of years ago, uh, Teresa and, and myself and the girls went on a Memorial Day trip. We started way up northwest Iowa in a place outside of Fostoria, Iowa, which you don't know where it's at unless you mean to be there. And there outside of Fostoria is, is where my dad's people are buried. My grandmother, my grandfather, a lot of aunts and uncles in a little country cemetery found only on a gravel road. And after leaving Fostoria... We went back, and we just got to Albert City following the Memorial Day service, so the, the flags were all over the cemetery there, and we just took a moment, and, and, and we just stood and, and kind of drank in some of our history as we stood at my, my, my maternal grandfather's and his son's grave. And then we moved down to Storm Lake, Iowa on our way back, and we stopped at, at the Storm Lake Cemetery, and on the very edge, there's this small pink tombstone of a woman I never met, my, my mother's mother who died when she was just in her 30s, this pink granite stone with her name on it, and, and, and we just remembered. We remember our legacy. When we go to cemeteries, we remind ourselves that we're connected to the people in front of us and we'll be connected to the people behind us. Cemeteries are a place. They're, they're tangible settings where we can be with our memories and give thanks to life. I want to show you a couple things. Look at Grant's tomb. It was one of the jokes growing up. Who's buried in Grant's tomb? Anybody know? Yeah, there he goes. Not, don't make it hard. Yeah, it's it's Ulysses Grant. But if but if you want to go and and drink in some history there, the legacy of the man who led our armed forces in the battle against slavery in the, in the Civil War, you, you can go to Grant's uh, tomb, that big mausoleum there. L- let me show you another picture. This is a, the grave of Charlemagne. Some of you history people you know, know about Western Europe, how Charlemagne, or known as Charles the Great as well, his, his uh, casket, pure gold. But if, if you're a history buff and you want to, to go and, and, and kind of be reminded of what pre- preceded you and, and give a, a look at what might come behind you, there's this. Now, let me show you the biggest grave in the world. Show, show me the Taj Mahal. Did you know that was a grave? Did, did you? I, I didn't know that, but that was, that was, I was able to find this in my research. Now, let me ask you this. If you knew it was a grave, whose grave is it? That's, that's right. It's the wife of the guy that built it. His, What's that? Correct, correct. So her name was Mumtaz Mahal. And she died while they were building this, which was supposed to be their house. I think it was Raymond back there. It's dark back there. But he wasn't just, she wasn't just the wife of the shah. She was the favorite wife of the shah. And that's good because I'm married to my favorite wife right now, too. So that's <laughs> awesome. So, so this was to the favorite wife, but it's a place, and some of you have gone to India. Uh, many of you have probably been to where Grant's tomb is, but I know a lot of you have been to the tomb of the king, Elvis Presley, right? If we wanted to drive down to Memphis, Tennessee, and you were all in there, that's the gravesite of the king. All those people have graves. Every single one of them. All of them. No matter how famous they were, no matter how broad their appeal and impact was, they all have graves. So here's the question that we come to Easter Sunday. Why do we not have a grave site commemorating the most important person in history, Jesus Christ? Easter starts in a cemetery, but it doesn't end there. Let me show you a picture of the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. If you're traveling to Israel with me, or if you just have been to Israel, you know that in the Holy City of Jerusalem, within that 320 acres, that's the Holy City of Jerusalem, there is a church called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And inside that church is a cave built with a chapel built around it that is believed to be one of the places, listen, one of the places, in this case the Eastern Orthodox Church, believes this is the place where Jesus of Nazareth was laid to rest with jo- when Joseph of Arimathea took him there. But now let me show you a picture of the garden tomb. Because this is a picture of the garden tomb that's outside the walled city of Jerusalem, about 100 yards from the hill called Golgotha. And it's there that the Western church believes that Jesus of Nazareth was laid after Joseph of Arimathea put him in the grave. But here's the thing. When we ask the question, why don't we have a tombstone for Jesus? Why can't we pinpoint the grave where Jesus was, was laid? Here's the truth. On Sunday, there was nobody there. Christ is risen. Indeed, he has. There there, there need no be- A gravestone marker for Christ. The gravestone was absolutely, and the gravesite itself, was absolutely unimportant to first-generation Christians. They didn't care where it was. It didn't matter to them. They didn't ever go there and wave flags. They didn't have parades that ended at the gravesite of Christ because Jesus wasn't there. There's no draw in history. There's no legacy to be met at the grave. In fact, when they met the angels there, if you listen to what Kelsey was saying, the angels shooed them away. He said, go away from here. What are you doing here? The the Lord has no business here in the cemetery. That's not where he does his best work. The king is not there. The king is here with us. Christ is risen. Indeed he is. So cemetery thinking was banished from the women's minds. Perplexed. You know, the people like us, perplexed. They, They surely wondered, what happened? What happened? How did God do this? How did did God do this? How did God raise Christ from the dead? This is natural because we're people. Even though many of us have no idea what we'll do next, mystery is hard for us. Let me tell you what I mean. Google has ruined family occasions. Can I get an amen? Can I get a real amen? amen? Here's what I mean by that when up until Google remember the fun discussions we had at family dinners? You know you might be around the grill this afternoon like we're going to be and and you might you start talking about something and somebody might say something about France and then we'll turn our attention to New York City and the Statue of Liberty and, and you know we used to be able to around the lawn chair say hey when did the Statue of Liberty open in New York City and somebody could say 2002 somebody could say 1886 somebody could say 1796 and you'd have a really good argument and kind of fun going on because we're all thinking about the same thing but here's what will happen if we do that this afternoon either we'll start talking about the Statue of Liberty and we'll say when was that thing open and my nephew Dan's going to go, 1886. The end of the family discussion, right? Or, or maybe, you know, you're having a family discussion and you say, you know, who was the president that said we were going to boycott the Olympics? And, you know, back in the day, we, somebody might say Ford or Reagan or Carter. But Google's going to say, Jimmy Carter. We don't like mystery. It perplexes us. It confuses us. And at the same time, it frustrates us. It draws us. It draws us to investigate. In 1722, Easter Island was discovered on Easter Sunday. That's why it's called Easter Island. And it's been a constant source of unanswered mystery. A lot of you have, have watched uh, you know, documentaries on the History Channel or Smithsonian or something like that, all about Easter Island. What's the deal with Easter Island? What, what's going on out there? And many now have figured out why these statues were made and, and what their purpose was. But what nobody can figure out is why all the people left. Why, why did all the people leave in, in the midst of that? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central tenet of the Christian faith. There is no Christian faith without an empty tomb. And still, it is a fundamental mystery. How did God do it? Now, there's many theories about how God did it. Some people, and this is true, by the way. I've had to read all all these books in seminary. Some people believe that Jesus didn't actually die. He was just in a deep sleep and woke up and then just kind of slipped out the back door of the tomb. Others believe that there was a body double, that Jesus was never on the cross, that they slipped him away in a boat to Greek, Greece, and then he came back in a few days. Others believe that the sponge that they stuck in his mouth kind of knocked him out, and he just kind of came back. But we really don't know. The gospel says he was quite completely dead. The truth that the Sunday morning Easter congregation must grapple with. And we'll never know the answer is how. How did God do this? Because God in, in the scriptures offers no clarity about this matter. The gospels simply acknowledge this, the truth and tenet of our faith. Christ is risen. He is, he is risen indeed. indeed. So the gospel assumes the how is God. You want to an answer? How did God do it? Well, God's God. So he did it. Don't try to unpack God. We know that's the default of Scripture. But what we need to understand is not the how. We need to understand the why. Why is Jesus resurrected? And that's where we're going this morning. Why did Christ rise from the dead? Christ rose so that we might know that he's God. He he rose so that we might know God. He's the king of the natural world. He created it, you know. He put it all together, set it free, and therefore it's at his command. And he can reverse it if he wants to. If you look at Romans chapter 1, it says this. The Holy Spirit proved that Jesus is the powerful son of God because he was raised from the dead. He overrides nature's default. What is nature's default? A person or an animal lives, dies, stays dead. All of my beloved dogs have lived, died, and I don't look for Pugger, Sam, or Blackie. They've stayed dead. And that is the case that was true of human beings, too. But Jesus overrides that. He overrides the the law of nature so that we might know that he is God. So that we might know he, he is God. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And secondly, Christ rose from the dead to take your tomb from you. Listen to me. Christ rose from the dead to take your tomb from you. Humanity's foe, human death, is undefeated against the course of history. It was undefeated up till the moment of an empty tomb. Up till that moment, death was undefeated, and in this moment, it must be vanquished and it must be witnessed, which is why over 500 people witnessed with their own eyes Jesus of Nazareth dead come back to life. Importantly, and I want you to hear this because this is why I came by this morning, the Lord also takes the tomb that kills you that kills you in ways beyond the physical and replaces it with hope. I'm going to repeat that because it's not on the screen. The Lord also takes the tomb that kills you in ways beyond the physical and replaces it with hope. That is why in Luke 24, the angels say to the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why are you here looking for him who is not here? Yes, the angels say the darkness of this world did take possession and crucified our king. Yes, it did. But he is not here. And because of his absence in this tomb, your tomb means nothing. Because of his absence here, your tomb doesn't mean a thing. He is not here because he is alive. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And what the women find empty fills our lives. Isn't that odd? That that which is empty fills our lives. You see, tombs are not always physical places. Those of us that are living know that. Sometimes a tomb is that which we feel is killing us physically, spiritually, emotionally. Martin Luther King, in the height of his movement, Easter 1957, in a moment of pretty deep darkness in Easter, as a matter of fact, he said this Is life doomed to futility and frustration? Does the despair in our hearts telling us to yell out, I can't take it, win? Oh my. Aren't there some among us, maybe you, who have saying?" <sighs> I don't know if I can take this anymore. This week, I know some of you are able to be there, some of you can't. Sometimes we have these morning services that are too late for some, too early for others. But we had these testimonies Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. And here was the overriding theme that was persistent and consistent. In the human life, we are struggling. And many of us are struggling now. Christians struggle I said a long time ago, there's three phases of life, hard, very hard, extremely hard. And what I found out from my congregation is what I've known for a long, long time is that many Christians struggle. It's okay. Your little heart can flutter with an amen right now. Many Christians struggled. Because this is what we know. The colored eggs, the plastic grass, and the Easter bunny, oh my, are they fun. But they do not comfort us in the midst of our struggle in the least little bit. That's why the really good news is this. Christ was not to be found in that tomb so that we might have hope in the midst of, in the midst of our struggle. The tomb was empty so our lives can be filled with hope. Not so that we can cover up our struggles with a facade of covered eggs and plastic grass and a mystical bunny. My favorite preacher, maybe you've never heard of him. You've heard of some of his sermons, although he was so good at preaching. A lot of people have stole his sermons. His name was S.M. Lockridge. Beautiful preacher's name if you're a biblical student. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. Right, Preached in San Diego, African-American preacher. But in May 1957, answering Dr. King, he preached this. It is true that the forces of darkness and struggle Rage in us. Okay, Easter people, drink that in. It's okay. It's not perfect. But it is true that the forces of darkness and struggle rage in us. Dark Friday occupies the throne of our lives. But just for a day. Just for a day. Understand there is no resurrection without first there being a crucifixion. Understand that triumph's way is right through the cross onto an empty tomb. Crucifixion and resurrection must be inextricably intertwined. The king never stops at Friday. That's why this cross is empty. The king never stops at Friday. Even though you may be in the midst of your Friday now. Even though we may be in the midst of our Friday now, the King is here because Christ is risen. And so, and here we go. Here we go. The stone of your tomb is ready to roll. Do you understand what I'm saying? The stone of your tomb is ready to roll because Easter is coming to you. The King is here. If guilt is what you're facing right now, Easter is the good news of forgiveness and newness of life. So that the stone of your guilt can be rolled away. Christ is risen. He, he is, is risen indeed. indeed. Be careful. I might start preaching here in a minute. If the tomb is face, that you're facing right now is your death, Easter is the invitation <clears throat> and the promise that you're invited to share in the eternal life with Christ so <clears throat> that the stone of fear and trepidation regarding your own life and your future death might be rolled away. Christ is risen. The stone in your tomb is ready to roll, don't you see? The king is here. Easter is coming towards you. If the tomb you are facing is deep feelings of loneliness, if the tomb you are facing is being deeply stressed out or overwhelmed, the stone of your suffering is even though it is great, is overcome by the love of God through Christ. That stone that is the fragmentation of your thinking will be rolled away because Christ is risen. He is risen risen indeed. indeed. The stone of your tomb, it's ready to roll. Amen. Amen. Because the king is here in the midst of our disillusionment, in the midst of our malaise in the midst of our addictions to, to drugs or drinking or, or, or porn or gambling or whatever, in our, in our afflictions of every kind, physical, mental, social, in the reality in which we live, in the reality of our struggle, that is where we are to see Christ is risen. He is risen. And resurrection assurance. Don't, don't get tired here. I'm just coming home. a boy. Resurrection is is the assurance that nothing, listen to these words of Scripture, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. To everything that's killing you, everything. Everything that's killing us. That appears to be a tomb. that, that stone is feeling like it's rolling closed. To everything that's given up, that's calling us to giving up, we can see, say no way, because we can see the hand of God reaching behind it to roll the stone away. Because it's Easter. <laughs> to roll away the stone of your tomb. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, so we can stare right at it, whatever our it is, we can stare at it, right at it and not flinch, because it cannot overtake us. It cannot rip us away for Christ, from Christ. It cannot rip us away from the king, because the King is here. Our physical, emotional and spiritual death has been swallowed up in victory. We can cry out like Paul did, "O death, where is thy victory, O death, Where is thy sting? And the answer Jesus gives us is gone, completely gone. That's why I can, as your pastor, as your friend, stand with joy in my heart and certainty in my soul and say, Happy Easter. The stone of the grave of your tomb, the stone of the tomb of your life has been rolled away. And so for me and for you, Christ is risen. Oh, God, we thank you for rolling away the tomb of our lives. We thank you for all that you've given us. Lord, whatever it is that we face, you push that tomb stone away from us. Lord, we don't need to be stuck in in cemetery thinking because you have no need for cemeteries. We need them, Lord, to go and see where we've been and where we're going. But you don't need them at all. Because every one of us is granted resurrection power so that when that moment comes, when our heart beats the last, when, when our breath comes in and out for the last time, you raise us straight up to be with you. Lord, you come to us even when we're in the midst of difficulties, whether it be depression or stress or affliction of life, and you're rolling away the stone of our life. You call to us. The resurrection power is here because you, the king, are right there by us, and you don't fear a thing, and neither should we. It's for that, Lord. That you come back. That which was dead, dead, dead has come alive, 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 so that we might have hope in the midst of it all. Thank you, Jesus, and amen.